0: So did I say great? Well, I can't say great? Because we got a man with us this evening that is so great within himself that any show that he's on can be called great. You know who that man is? Kevin Eastman,
1: co creator
0: of the co creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's crazy to even be able to be close enough to that is to having the gentleman on the show. It's a beautiful thing. You know, we've met Kevin numerous times through the convention circuit uh, in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Uh, great dude, always just, you know, I, very few people are that cool to their fans. And I know that's something people would say, but that's real deal. Like, Kevin is super cool to his fans. You know what I mean? Alexander Hawk, you know, of course, he also a part of Heavy Metal, the graphic novel Heavy Metal which the movies came from, animated movies came from and stuff. But, my God, Ni- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I can barely wrap my head around what's yeah. about to go down, who we're about to talk to, the magnitude of who, who we're about to talk to this evening, my friend. It's kind of a crazy deal. What do you think?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, the thing is that, as, as you can probably tell, that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was a huge thing for – uh, Matt and me in our childhood, I I, I just, I mean, I remember always uh, Saturday morning cartoons. I rushed down. I had to get my teenage mutant ninja turtles in. Loved the cartoons. Loved the movies. I loved the action figures. Loved the the, the games. I mean, heck, I even got some 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 uh, little things here that uh, I still have for my. My childhood, like uh, a Mr. Rocksteady. Woo! You know, Bebop. Bebopin'? Yeah, I mean, heck, I was such a huge I I collected all the little uh, different side characters and all that. Ah, uh, man. And also, okay, I even got the board game. Ooh, can you beat that? can I wish? Well, maybe we'll, Do you have all the pieces? See, I don't know. I haven't checked it. I haven't played this game since it was about yay high. So I, I, I hope I got all the pieces. Kanye, huh? You
0: was t- as tall as Kanye West, You're the
1: short no, guy. Kanye.
2: Yay high, yeah, high. yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, the the fact is. Uh, I think both Matt and I have said numerous times on this show, on other shows, yeah. that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is There was a half show. Turtle power. I mean, is is one of those shows and characters that will always come back. It's uh, right. it, it, yeah, it's like right. Ghostbusters
0: almost, and and some others where more so the Ghostbusters, I'd say. Okay. But still, I mean... Fair enough, more so, way more so than Ghostbusters. <laughs> but, but, but I'm with you, I'm with you, yeah. yes. I but, love I mean, I,
2: But I can see, you know, I mean, they have they have a new... Um, I mean, other than, of course, the Michael Bay movies, which we, of course, know came out a little while ago,
0: uh, they Not got a new TV series movie. right now, right, uh, Matt. Every Every, like, four or five years, I think they make a new Ninja Turtles. Every generation of kids gets it, and that's a beautiful thing. So the newer one looks a little different, just like how the Michael Bay uh, turtles look different. They were more like real, I don't know, real world, more real turtleish. I don't know. It was a, they look oh, like they, they, they were... They, uh, they, they tried to, uh, get. Uh,
2: well, they gave them noses, and and they tried to make them, I guess, seem a little bit more anatomically correct, I guess. Uh, yeah. With the noses and stuff. Um, yeah. Also another thing I just have to plug this in here. Uh, I picked up a DVD I don't have it with me right now. Ninja Turtles versus Batman. I don't know yeah, if you've can discuss. Oh man, I got to say Classic. it's it's it came out within I don't know the last 5 years or something like that, maybe even sooner than that. And <laughs> it is such a guilty pleasure. It just Having these characters in the same universe as Batman is is great. I loved it. And cool I definitely mash- say definitely check it out if you do uh, end up uh, stumbling across it.
0: They've but, been doing a lot. See, I've been seeing a lot of that lately, though, mashup Ghostbusters. I've seen He-Man mashed up with some stuff. I've seen, I want to, I've seen a Thundercats He-Man mashup. You know what I mean? Some interesting stuff. But, yeah, Ninja Turtles, dude. Unbelievable stuff. I you know, my mind's boggled. If you told if you told a seven year old Matthew Fisher, you would be talking to one of the dudes that created Ninja Turtles, he would go, What's he would what Matt Fisher actually make good in life? What the fuck's going on? here? <laughs> he'd be like, What's going on? He act, dreams come true or something for little Matty Fisher? Hey, he'd be running around like a two year old on the sugar high. I know the first time uh, I, I met, uh, Kevin, uh, and my nephew with me and, uh, my nephew is one of the first people I seen my nephew kind of mark out about and get excited for. Cause like Ninja Turtles is like, it's so huge. And like I was telling Hawk earlier, it's like, I, I never got into superheroes. Like Ninja Turtles were like my super superheroes, my Superman and such, you know what I mean, and they really—they were like superheroes, but not superheroes. It was a weird line. You know what I mean? They're yeah. mutants. They're more like X-Men, mutant turtles. You know what I mean? I do have to say, um, yeah. unfortunately,
2: when I was a kid, uh, I never really got like the play sets or the uh, the, the uh, vehicles and all that. But I do have to say, well, yeah. I was not a huge fan of the Michael Bay versions, mm-hmm. but the sequel, the second Michael Bay movie that he did where he brought in Bebop and Rocksteady, yes. the best part of that movie, the part that made the little inner child of me geek out was the turtle van. Right. Having the turtle van in there, throwing out the, uh, the sewer covers. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was like the epitome... That was the toy that I always wanted that I just never got. Um, know you, you,
0: yeah. You pulled out your you're pulling out your figures. Are you oh, gonna yeah. pull out your figures for for the people at home? Well, I mean, I was going to pull them all up, but I can. You I don't think, have to. We can talk uh, as you pull, as you pull. We can talk. I, I want to go off of what you just said there. Hell yeah. Where, you know, the, the automobiles with the action figures was always my favorite deal, man. I remember there was like a Batman Batmobile that I loved, the Ghostbuster car I loved, oh, yeah. you know, the Ninja Turtle wagon. I have the Ninja Turtle wagon up there. I'm going to go grab the, wa- the Ninja Turtle wagon. Yeah. Stuff. Heck yeah, I mean,
2: I, I was a big fan and uh, I got a whole bunch. I mean, I do have to admit, I, I don't remember all the names. Ooh, I
0: like that. Hey, I like that. You got me breaking, breaking, going, pulling stuff down. You know what I mean? Look at this. We're going to do big merch for Kevins. You know what I mean? But I got the wagon up in here. We got a couple players up in here. Hawkman's boy that he hey, just pulled hey, out. Hey, hold on, hold on hey, got, Hey. Hey, bud. Hey. How you doing? Long time. We haven't seen you since the assembly line, dude. How you doing over there? Uh, they just re-released the, these dudes uh, from the episode where the aliens come with the skateboards. You know what I mean? They just re-released them in a three-pack. There are a lot of like newer action. They're releasing all the throwback action from the cartoon. It's good stuff, dude. They just released a um, a slash action figure. Yeah. Is super cool. Uh, the price isn't super cool, but the action figure is super duper cool.
2: Ooh. Actually, that it, it was fun. I I did get, uh, the, get the, the the regular one of him, not with all the cool like alien stuff on it. But unfortunately, uh, his ears broke off. I mean, I can I guess I played a little too rough with him. You're too rough with him. Yeah, and of course, I'm rough driving. Of course, now thinking about it, if I I kept them all in in the packages and uh, in mint condition. Then you know I could probably sell them for a hefty fee right about now, but um,
0: I got I picked up. Uh,
2: but I mean, heck, being a kid, I mean, you get toys, you play with the toys. I mean, well, it's yeah.
0: Like, See, I got these bad Larrys here. These were re-released recently. We should get into the interview after this part. But I got these. They re-released these, which are they're retro. Um, yeah, that's the way they came out back in the day. I haven't opened them up because why would you want to do something like that? But they were only like 12 bucks a pop, which was pretty cheap. It was like when they came out there, they were like 8 9 bucks, which is funny because I wish they were that price nowadays. Well, um,
2: it, it's funny. As, as I was telling Matt before yeah. we uh, did the interview, um, We uh, went. Uh, I, I went to New Bear Comics uh, to uh, get some Christmas presents. And when I was there... These it, are cool, too. These are super cool, too. But when I was in New Bear Comics, they had, like, big boxes where they had, you know, like, these characters with, like, multiple heads, multiple Absolutely. weapons yeah. and stuff for, like, 75 bucks a piece. Now, I mean, if I had, had had a lot of money just to throw around, I have to admit, I was tempted to actually pick up some of those. But, unfortunately, I don't... In today's economy, I can't I can't justify buying
0: $75 for one of those, even though I was dead. Each one of those was 50 bucks, And I got another one. Yeah. Well, that, 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 that uh, cheap. That was one of, one of those days. Th- 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 <laughs> one of those days, as a collector, you're really ashamed of yourself walking out of Walmart with fucking $200 worth of action figures, and you're like, people give into the eyeball, like... So like hey, yo, call an ambulance bro. with this guy. Yo, close. Drive a car. Like, those saying. toys. Yeah. Well, you know, you do what you can when you can. You know what I mean? Yeah. We should uh, definitely pop into our guest of honor Heck yeah. and guest of honor for Shizzle. You know, we'll, dig, we'll talk about a bunch of more of this stuff, and, and uh, we'll catch you guys after the episode, real quick. But without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the cast for the first time, our pal, your pal, one of the guys that made sure you had a kick-ass childhood, the one, the only, the great, Kevin Eastman. Welcome to the show, Kevin. We thank you for your time. We'll we'll, we'll jump right into it real quick. Um, you know, we usually like to start real quickly with, like, you know, how somebody came to be and came into it, you know, and and we're, was there a certain comic book or illustrator or storyteller that you kind of really
1: appreciated that sparked that love in you, that interest? Most definitely. It was, you know, um, when I first discovered comic books in general, it was really fascinating to me, because I grew up in a very small town in Maine, and it was, um, you know, I think we, we had a TV that one channel came in good sometimes, you know, so it was a lot of, you know, reading and, and so, so when you discover the visual world of comics, combining words and pictures to tell stories, it was, you know, uh, it was, it was just, it was, it was brilliant. It was really, um, nothing else I wanted to do. In particular, there was, uh, an artist named Jack Kirby, which I particularly gravitated to because he was such a not only prolific, um, but he was, his style was incredibly dynamic. Um, and, uh, Appealing because it was very fast moving, very energetic, and and his the feeling that he gave you and, and how he directed it and moved the story through was just um, um, it just was was all that. And so I most of my early drawings were all tracings of Jack Kirby drawings. And um, and uh, what I also liked about Jack Kirby was um, he wasn't known for one particular character. Um, um, he was always doing, you know a wide variety of characters and stories, past, present, future monsters, superheroes, you know, um, you name it. He was, he was it. So that was, that was really the, um, he, he was it. the King is the King. And that was one of the things that Pete and I bonded over, um, immediately when we first met was our, was our, our shared love of Jack Kirby. Yeah.
0: Did you guys meet, uh,
1: like in school or where'd you guys meet at? We actually met and uh, um, I was working in, um, uh, Massachusetts in the town of uh, Amherst. Um, there was a college there and and uh, I had a friend that was going to school there and uh, I had a part-time job at a pizza place um, uh, not too far between, it was actually right between, it was in Hadley, it was between uh, UMass and uh, Northampton. And on the bus I found this magazine, um, it was a locally produced kind of cartoon fanzine kind of thing called Scat and uh, I saw it was produced in Northampton and, and so I went over to try to sell my work and they had just about moved on from producing this fanzine doing other things. But they said, you should really meet this local artist named Peter Larry because he's into the same kind of comic book storytelling that you are. So back in those days, and we're talking 1980, um, you know, I wrote him a letter and, uh, and he wrote me back and I said, Hey, I'm new to the area. You want to hang out sometime? And he wrote me back and said, yeah, come on. I live at, this is my address. Come knock on my door. And, uh, So, yeah, we we immediately bonded over Kirby and comics and things and and started working together almost immediately. So we'd visit about once a week and talk, you know, just geek out together, just talk about comics and talk shop and and trade drawings and stuff like that. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, California is kind of the hub of film and stuff like that. Yep. Is there a hub for comics? Is there, like, a a city or something that was, like, known for really pot? Was it California or was it?
1: yeah. no that's a good that's a really good question because um to me it was um it was always east coast because i grew up in maine uh met peter in massachusetts and in the early days of uh becoming aware of comics like um or, or comic companies like uh dc comics or marvel comics both of them were located in new york city they had offices in new york city and so a lot of the artists that um, we admired, you know, whether it be you know Mike Kaluta, Barry Smith, Jeff Jones, um, you know Steve Ditko, on and on and on. Will Eisner, all of them had studios in New York City. So to us, that was the hub of you know um, uh, of comics that we were aware of at that time. But I do know that you know years later, you had places like you know San Francisco and Berkeley where underground comics were really born, and that was a kind of a hub for that. But then. You know, it was it was kind of spread throughout but a lot of people uh, it was New York it was um, as far as I know if you wanted a job in comics you had to go to New York and work for one of the big two yeah yeah so ninja
0: Turtles originated in Massachusetts Dover New Hampshire it was uh, awesome
1: uh, enough. I'll take it I'll take it yeah I know well it's funny because you know Peter and I met in Massachusetts yeah and then, uh, um, and uh, I moved back to Maine because that's where my family's from, where I grew up. And I, I was—I had a a summer job working along the coast, cooking lobsters for tourists from you know Memorial Day to Labor Day. And um, so I moved back there. Peter and I and I moved back to um, Maine. And then his wife, uh, future wife at that time, got a job teaching in uh, Dartmouth, uh, next door to Dover. And so he moved to Dover, which from where I was in Maine, about was about twenty minutes away. So when I finished work that summer. He had a room to rent, so he said, we'll come down and rent the room and we'll form a little studio um, and uh, Mirage Studios will start working together. And so once we um, self-published and had success um, and could live wherever we wanted to, we both really loved Northampton, Massachusetts, and so we moved back to uh, to the Valley. And that was probably 1985 and uh, kind of the corporate, I mean, the headquarters for Mirage Studios um, had been Massachusetts from, from about 1985 onward to um,
0: to now. So, you know, you know self, we we self-distribute our own films, and it's like mm-hmm. thinking about doing a comic, you know, there, there's just so much, there's a lot to it, you know what I mean? But
1: back then, they yeah. innovate, you guys were innovators in that sense of it as well, I think, which was pretty cool, you know, much respect. Well, no, but we were lucky. It's actually because it's, um, there had been uh, the evolution, the creation of the direct comic market, which was, you know, people. It was non-returnable, so you'd have these head shops that um, also sold comics and you know cigarettes and you know all kinds of paraphernalia, um, music CDs, and so it kind of became this early version of um, a comic store, which expanded to more specific comic stores, and that was a network that we distributed through. Uh, but I love it because I have uh, um, so many friends. Actually, I did work with a guy um, uh, on a soundtrack for a movie I worked. I, I made. And him and his brother used to buy uh, music overseas, and they would they would they travel to Europe, buy all this these albums, and bring it here. That then they dis- would drive them around and distribute them to you know music shops all around California. Uh, so they ended up becoming their own record label, um, and uh, because just by accident. But that was the way you did it by then, and even now, whether you use social media or whatever outreach program uh, you know outreach is, it's the exposure, the opportunity to meet people and and get the word on the street. And if you have to drive to a theater and show your own movie, then that's the way you do, man. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, A lot lot of of stuff like that. (laughs) It's, you know,
0: mom and pop shops, you know, a lot of like films and, 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 and musical acts, you know, in like the nineties, you know, kind of, I remember when we were coming up That was like it. That was like how you would break almost like to independently do it, to show the labels that you were worth investing the time and money into, you know what I mean? Yep.
1: Yeah. That's It's like, it's a total, um, I think gonzo. I'm trying to think of a better word, but it is, you know, it's like any, anything that, um, needs to break out and and, and, and set a new benchmark or introduce, you know, bring a whole new audience has always been produced independently, you know, whether it be all different kinds of music, including all different kinds of comics or or those kinds of things is like, you know, when you'd, you know, hear these, you know, um, you know, anti-establishment bands sort of coming up and doing the the, the bar circuits and the bar scenes and the things to make um, a name for themselves before they, you know, to build their audience, but they had to do it one, You know, one gig at a time, and uh, the same for Peter and I. We do. um, uh, Back in the early days, we would do lots of signings. If somebody invited us to their comic store, we would arrange and we would drive there with our stuff and sit there and meet the local fans. Sometimes it was four people, sometimes it was eleven people, but yeah, (laughs) you know. And uh, you know, it's the same with uh, you guys with your filmmaking. It's uh, you gotta, you know. But these days, you're lucky. I think you can you can start building an audience and reach. Reach further and wider and um, uh, there's more opportunities to connect with a, a wider audience base than, uh, than than the old days. Oh yeah, for sure. Like social media and all that is uh, heavy, yeah. heavy into it, you know. Yeah, what are you doing here? You guys got a, a movie in the works right now? What are you working on?
0: We got, uh, well, my,
1: we, we got a feature we're
0: working on trying to get d- done later in the year, but my, my buddy just came back, Alex over here just came back acting in Las Vegas. He likes to branch out. And uh, What were you
2: working in? Um, um, there's a, another, uh, independent, um, uh, a group I work with called, the Mahal Empire, and they did a film called, uh, Alien Storm, which we shot in, uh, Las Vegas. Um uh, it has, uh, Tom Arnold, and Kevin Servo. Those are the notable, you know, benchmark names, and a lot of, uh, talented independent actors also, uh, in it, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, Yep. Pretty much about you know aliens coming down and all these uh, wealthy to do people uh, go down in the bunker and try to survive and
1: it's yeah. it was it was a hoot it was a hoot dude I I dig that stuff so much it's like going up as a I was a huge fan of all kinds of B movies anything that Roger Corman did even the really you know schlocky ones but I just loved the um, you know that you could see. The nuts and bolts, and the in the duct tape, and the in the band aids, and the thing to pull it together. I mean, I think it was a. I read some article once. Um, uh, I think um, um, Dennis uh, Hopper did, I think fifteen Roger Corman movies before he got one that, like you know, <laughs> that he busted out, uh, busted out of, and you know Roger. Um, um, uh, of Ford Coppola, I think, Dementia 13 was also yep, an original 13, yeah. Roger Corman production. Um, but I also did, you know, I love, you know, uh, trauma films. Oh, yeah. And Lloyd Kaufman, those guys, it's like, hey, man, they're doing it. Look at James Gunn, you know. He, he, I think he wrote and maybe had a big hand in directing. I'm, no, I think Lloyd Kaufman directed, but it was a... Um, Terraformer. Terraformer and... Yeah, citizen- right.
0: Tromeo and Juliet, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Tromeo yeah. and Juliet, yes. Yeah, Tromeo and Juliet. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, I, actually, I met the first time I, well, it's about the only, actually, the only time I met James Gunn. He still was making his way in Hollywood, but it was, um, we were at a American film market event in, uh, in Santa Monica, and we were there to, to honor Lloyd because we love Lloyd. Um, yeah. and, uh, we both were talking about, um, how much we liked uh, *Cannibal* the musical, which was um, such a funny, you know the first you know Trey Parker Matt Stone film. Yeah, <laughs> *Cannibal* the musical, bro. So no, I, I love it. It's like it's, you know, you go when you look at something like um, *Evil Dead* the first *Evil Dead*. Yeah. You know, it was you know taping a camera to a a plank and walking it through the you know that's where you come up with the the creative stuff that makes that shit work. And so it's yeah. uh, I take it. It's really exciting.
0: You know, like, the, the original comic was very raucous, like, very trauma like in a way, you know, very gritty, very dark and stuff. I was always curious, you know, I know the first, the first film was really dark, and I think they kind of started to lighten up a little bit and get a little more kiddy with it, if you will. But, like, coming from such an underground, dark kind of thing, did, did, what was your thoughts on them kind of, the commercial, making so commercial? Were you, like, turned off by that or just happy that it was being successful?
1: No, it was uh, well, the the best part was that we we had we owned it. We controlled yeah. it. We had full say. So when um when the opportunity came was presented to us to do um uh, to do it as a kids property because it was as you already said it was it was clearly designed as an uh, you know an edgier older audience type of property. Yeah. Um and we were having enough success with this and so we said the only way we will work with you on this is that we have full and final say. Um, you know, so everything the world saw as the turtles, as the kids, we knew what we were writing it for. It was being written down and repositioned. We still had our original black and white comics in that world, but we knew this series was being done specifically for a much younger audience, so we softened the origin, uh, uh, you know, things like, uh, you know, P came up with the idea for the different colored bandanas, which was brilliant, you know, to tell them apart more easily. The humor was, was increased, but, uh, so, when we worked it as an animated series and a toy which then had enough success which brought to the movie one of the best parts and to me that's why the first turtle movie will always be the best turtle movie um was uh, director steve Barron um and writer todd Langdon, and of course you know jim henson making it all magic uh make all the magic happen with the uh, with the, the costumes but steve loved the original comic series the original black and white series so he made a movie with a foot in both camps so he wanted something for the original audience for the older audience so that was the moodiness the darkness um, the intensity of the story but there was the heart and soul of you know the family aspect as well as the humor you know that they brought that he brought in from the uh, cartoon series so to me it was a perfect turtle movie and to repeat myself that's why it'll always be number one of my favorite across the board and when they Got the turtles movie too. Peter and I were frustrated because they really pushed it more towards a live action cartoon, yeah. as opposed to keeping it balanced. And uh, and so uh, so that's you know, but we you know we had as much control as we could have. But you know, some things you, you can't, you know, unless we're doing it ourselves, we can't control everything. But uh, yeah. but yeah, what a what a journey throughout the whole process. Though.
0: So. I mean, yeah, I mean, I agree. I probably have to agree that I think the first one is, the first film is probably my favorite film. It's very dark. It's very, it's like the truest to the comic. Um, and it's just very dark. And I like the darkness of it. Not just the theme of it's dark, the lighting's very dark. The outfits are dark, you know what I mean? Um, you know, there's so much darkness to it that I love. I don't have to give it that, but don't get me wrong, because I really love part two. The Secret of the Used. it's definitely more kiddie, more campy. You know, you got Iceman in there doing it big, you know what I mean? Go Ninja, go Ninja, go. Classic stuff. Um, it's like hard not to. It's hard not to. It's kind of like if you if you appreciate, uh, it's almost like equ- equated to the Evil Dead franchise. You know what I mean? Where uh, you got Evil Dead's straight-up darkness. Evil Dead 2 is a little bit of dark comedy. And then Army of Darkness is straight-up comedy, I feel. Uh, in the same way, you could almost say, Ninja Turtles 1, dark movie. 2, dark comedy. 3, pretty much a comedy that you know, it's not my favorite in the series, um, and I like all of the film. Like I enjoy it. There's not a there's not an Ninja Turtles movie that I actually don't like, with the exception of like that um, that fourth movie. Everything else is great. The cartoons I've enjoyed all the cartoons, and I've had nieces and nephews of all ages, and I did say nieces and nephews. Because everybody loves Ninja Turtles, you know what I mean? But I would probably have to say that my favorite um, my favorite one's probably the first one. Alexander Huck, which one do you get down with?
2: I will say that number one, I mean, one of the things about being the first one, uh, it, is, it is a classic, it is epic, it has a lot of great things about it. And I do love that movie. But, but, I do have to say that nostalgically, the second one is my all-time favorite of the series. And yeah. because it came out exactly at the right time for me, um, where it was it was a perfect uh, brand of the child's humor. And because, I mean, I was a kid at the time, the young man, the pizza delivery boy, that also gave me kind of a feeling as, you know, a young guy, being pushed into the world of Ninja Turtles, so he became kind of my surrogate. He was he was me being right. in there. I could I could I could I could envision you know putting my my person in there because of you know having that uh, gateway, and yeah. uh, I I mean I just loved all of the uh, everything was as uh, like you say campy fun. It was it was enjoyable. I mean heck, Vanilla Ice with Go Ninja. I mean I, I love that. I was singing that song like nonstop after the movie came out to go, uh, go my parents were probably about to kill me. That's, that's how much I was I was I was doing that.
0: You know, our boy Ernie Ray's Junior who plays the delivery dude was also in another world famous ninja movie. Surf Ninjas. Surf Ninjas. Okay, okay, okay. Rob Schneider is also in there. Oh yeah, yeah. I have. That movie I mean, was made I, by Cocaine. Made that movie? I think. <laughs> I think that was by the famous director Cocaine.
2: I, I think a lot, a lot of movies at that time were made by
0: Cocaine. Ah,
2: yeah. uh,
0: <laughs> but yeah, I mean,
2: like I said, I, and and even though I have to admit, like a lot of other people, I was disappointed. They they creating new characters, Toka and Razor,
0: instead of having, you know, Rock City and Bebop. If I was ever to kill myself off, I would eat the, those, the, the donuts with the diamonds in them that they ate. That yeah. i figure out what that concoction is, and that's a lot. I'm going out hard off those donuts, baby. Heck yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, part two, yeah, I mean, part two I like a lot. I can't, I definitely... Don't hate on part two for sure. I definitely get down with it. Like I said, I, for the most part, that fourth one's a little questionable. But three, I don't even get. I don't even got beef with three. I remember. It, yeah, three, three.
2: Um, I mean, uh, three was enjoyable. A lot of people gave it shit. Um, I do think that uh, some of the, um, uh, I think uh, the the suits I think were a, a little less than the originals. Because I think at, at the third one they were still trying to um, uh, push them out, but I don't think they were putting enough money into the the effects. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I enjoyed the story. I mean, uh, putting them in feudal Japan and and all that it it was still fun. It still was a fun turtles movie, and it's. I mean, anything that any of the movies that came afterwards, obviously just didn't really work. But the third one was the last of the good ones.
0: I would, you know, fourth one was questionable. But then I was that that first animated one, T, uh, TMNT. Mm. The first animated one they did maybe in 2009 or so like that. that okay. was a, yeah. That was actually pretty solid. That was pretty good. Yeah. They made a, They made video games for it. The video games. It was around the time Wii came out because one of the only games I owned for Wii, I bought Transformers and I bought the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. Hey you dude, know? since you brought up yeah. a, brought
2: up video games, I have to do it, man. I have oh, to, classic classic Ninja a, it's a law. Man. It's a law. The uh, the Ninten- uh, Nintendo Nintendo uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. Um. Oh God,
0: was I a really- lot of fun. First one was hard. Second it, one, arc, part two of the arcade game is fucking... Well, I, I never played the
2: arcade. One, I, I played the one for the console. And that was hard as... That was hard as hell, and I couldn't get... One where Yes. Oh, oh. oh the, the the worst was trying to uh, swim through, like, the... Um, the uh, oh, with the jellyfish?
0: Yeah, you remember electric, that electric stuff? Yeah, very. Di- I love the game. Very difficult part two, the arcade game, way better. There's something about the arcade. Uh, they just re-released them. They just re-released all of them in like a cowabunga yeah. edition, and then they did um, like a newer, updated one that's kind of like the the, show, the cartoon, which is a really cool one, and it's got that arcade style vibe to it. I love the arcade, dude. I. Ninja Turtles to the arcade game, probably one of the most played games in my collection, for sure. I, I loved did. it. They were great. Um, there's there's none bigger things that I can think of in this world than the Ninja Turtles, you know what I mean? It's just <laughs> huge, and, like, every generation will have one. Like, you'll never, as long as there's a humanity, there'll be Ninja Turtles, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
2: that will last forever. I mean, it will yeah. yeah, Every generation, there's going to be a Ninja Turtles from here on out.
0: Well, did you guys get access to like the, the sets on the movies when they were making
1: them? Oh yeah, we went down. Yeah, it's like because we, you know, I I um I sold control of my rights to Peter in 1990, part of him in 1998, and, and a bit more in early 2000s. But up until that time, every single aspect of the turtles, whether it be the cartoon shows, the movies, going on set, working with the animators, working with the writers, and all the stuff. So that was one of my favorite parts was going down on set um, on uh, for the for the for the movies because it was that's where it all happened. You get to see, you know, and that's that's I remember the you know the I feel like I some it, it, it can easily be summed up in my opinion of movie making. The first week I was on set for Turtles Movie One was that um, it's amazing any movie comes out good ever. Yeah. Because I'm watching, you know, from afar, respectfully. It's like, you know, to me as a director, it's uh, as a comic book artist, I'm a director from this chair and this drawing board and I can control everything. But when you look at somebody like, Steve Barron and I'm watching this guy work and he's controlling the the lighting and the sound guys and the costume guys and the effects guys and the position of the camera and the, the coverage shots and there's 50 people, you know, at least, you know, it seems like probably, you know, less or more, but asking him questions and just to pull off what needs to be coordinated to get 30 seconds of footage to use in multiple takes of that footage. It was like, holy... God. You know, crikey. Um, so, uh, but know, I loved it. I really enjoyed that part of it. And then, you know, years later, I worked on some, um, some much smaller uh, films, um, some trauma stuff. And, you know, Jim Wynorski and Andy Sedaris and, and different guys that I really liked. The, um, the independent spirit of, of, of small films because it was really something that you – you couldn't make otherwise. It had to be done that way to make it work and to get that vision as pure and true, much like Peter and I did by self-producing uh, our own and self-publishing our own, uh, Turtles comics. Yeah. yeah. I
0: see uh, on your Instagram, you always posted up cool goodies of like some throwback toys and stuff like that. <laughs> Have you ever plucked anything really cool off one of the movie sets that you got that
1: you got on display at home or something like that? The, you know, I had, um, man, it's funny. The, uh, um, I ended up selling it at auction, probably about ten years ago. But I had, you know, for the first turtle movie, um, mm-hmm. Peter and I each were were, were gifted a um, uh, one of the costumes, oh. um, and we loved it. And there was a few other things. I had like one of the TCRI canisters. I still have it somewhere, and a few other things. But the one of the some one of the size, but with the costumes. Um, as soon as they were made, they started deteriorating. It just was, you know, it's the latex, the, you know, because each, each actor was cast, the foam, the things were built just for them, the wear and tear of them wearing them and doing all that stuff. So even if you put them on a, a mannequin and then preserve them, say, sprayed them with some kind of sealant, the air would still get into them from behind and they just would rot away. It was just the, the, the makeup. But I found this, uh, um, guy and God, I wish I could remember his name right now. I can't, but, um, it was a guy that specifically restored these kinds of things, um, based out of Massachusetts, ah, poop, um, got a studio for, but so we had it preserved. And then at that time I ended up selling it to a museum, um, uh, just so it could be more permanently displayed and enjoyed. And, and that, and that, as opposed is just sitting in, you know, in the corner of, of, of my studio, um, which, you know, I got the memory, so that's enough. Um, but yeah, those the, the prop stuff is great. And I always, I used to love the. Um, um, there was a company, Christie's, maybe that did uh, used to always do regular movie prop auctions. Yeah. And I used to get the catalogs. I wouldn't buy anything, but I would always get the catalogs because <laughs> they had. I just like looking at all the props. Um, yeah, the it was pretty great. I remember seeing
0: like a decayed Donatello's head. Like, uh, and it was like, it it made me like my inner child cry. I felt so bad for it. I was like, oh no, it was like seeing an actual decaying body. It was like, oh no.
1: Totally. Yeah. It's it's like,
0: yep, exactly. Exactly. Those were a little, I remember there, there was like a neck hole from the be able to see through, but for the most part, I mean, I assume that had to have been some serious. I know you were talking about on set, like, you know, a lot of, a lot of takes of, just kind of getting all that fighting down. It looks so great, you know, in the in the overall end product. You know what I mean? But getting there was a lot of
1: work, I'm sure. Yeah, those those um, the original stuntmen, and that's where the main part of the production company came from, which was Golden Harvest, which was um, they produced a lot of the Jackie Chan movies, and so a lot of the the martial artists, um, foot soldiers, and, and a lot of the guys that wore the, the 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 stunt suits, the the fighting suits for the turtles. Were um, actors that did you know straight from Hong Kong films, um, and a lot of them couldn't didn't even speak English, um, but they they um, wore those eighty pound suits and they were doing those spin kicks and backflips and stuff like that in these suits. And so the minute you know, and so there would be these short takes. So there'd be like you know you know fifteen twenty seconds thirty seconds where bang 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 bang, and then immediately somebody would run over with a a fan. Uh, like a it looked like a blow dryer that blew cool air and they'd jam it in the turtle's mouth and pull it down, like but uh um, yeah they said they they would lose you know five six pounds in and water weight um every you know every day of shooting um and that was a lot because these guys were um, you know they weren't big guys um and they were already so well trained and so physically fit there was not a lot of you know anything they got they get lose, but man, what a, what did you, know, these guys were, you know, they made it work, you know, those costumes made it work, those stunt guys made it work, and uh, yeah, pretty, pretty mind-blowing. Yeah, go
2: back. Listen, any of, uh, uh, I mean, since there was so many uh, uh, toys and accessories created uh, based on the Ninja Turtles, was there anything that was created either from an idea that you had or something that someone else came up? that you thought was extremely interesting or you really liked or you thought it was a a cool idea or something?
1: Well, I'd say I point to, um, I think one of the things um, about Turtles Movie 1 especially was, for example, uh, you know, this goes kudos to Steve Barron in his attention to detail was um, Casey Jones as a character, you know, not only casting, you know, Elias Kataeus, who was perfect, um, but instead of just getting um, an off-the-shelf hockey mask and distressing it or whatever to fit, um, he had one built that looked like straight from our comics. Um, That design with the three slots and the... It was right out of our comic. And uh, that was that kind of attention to detail and um, uh, specific characterization of that character that he brought to life that would always be one of my favorite moments because it was no... You know, he, he, he was... He's the man. And uh, I love that uh, it's one of those things that um, uh, a toy company called NECA Toys who does these really brilliant um, adaptations of the turtles from the movies and the cartoon shit. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. The killer. The killer. Yeah, they did a recreation of Splinter's Mask. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah uh, Casey's Mask. Casey's uh, so Mask. you could actually buy... The mask, you know, that was was designed right from the movie, much like um, uh, Steve Barron designed it, much like right from the comic. So yeah, that was uh, so that was that was I would say that was um, yeah quite a that was a highlight for me. And uh,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, was Jason Voorhees an influence on that Casey Jones mask at all? You know, it was it was not not really, and and, yeah. and I don't want to take it away because I'm a fan of those movies, but it was yeah. just, uh, but to me it was um, uh, the Creation of Casey Jones as a character because he's a total homespun um, uh, vigilante style character. But I we kind of made fun of him a little bit, at least in the original comic, where he wasn't um, created out of a series of really painful memories or, or, or circumstances. where was, you know, hell, you know, like Batman, you know, his family was murdered and, and this, so he became a vigilante. Yeah, Casey became a vigilante from watching too much bad TV. In fact, you know the first comic, he's got three TVs going on at the same time, and there's like, a team and TJ Hooker and something else on. And um, but uh, so the pieces of his costume came from found objects, um, which was you know he was a hockey player, and so what we wanted is unique mask because he had to keep his you know as a vigilante you have to keep your secret identity. So he put on he had sweats and a shirt and a golf bag with a, a bunch of miscellaneous weapons from a cricket bat to a hockey stick to baseball bats golf clubs um so it was uh more just uh it, that came together from cobbling together what somebody like him would find and uh make his own vigilant vigilante costume from
0: you know uh, accessories bringing up accessories and action figures for me you know bebop and rocksteady were, were classic they, the 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 turtles are really cool. I remember the turtles where you'd push down on their head. I remember and their head would pop up and their head would spin yeah. and their shell would open up and give put weapons in their shell. Yeah, I remember that. That that was a cool, cool thing. So many cool toys, yeah. and it's still going out. Um, like I said, like I had the the I showed earlier, uh, the van. I love the van. You know what I mean. Uh, the uh, Krang had the the Krang body was great. I know that they just re-released that they did the slash re-release now which I, I talked about earlier which is really cool but yeah ninja turtles is like if i was rich i'd have a lot more ninja turtles stuff oh okay sure yeah Man, uh, i mean
2: i mean, it's i mean i showed <laughs> a whole bunch of the the turtles stuff i had um
0: but yeah i mean, I, I i i love, love ninja, ninja the- turtles so much I love Ninja Turtles so much. When I die, the forms that might come take me away to the ne- next next realm could be the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> you know what I mean? These people that like you think about these people that mean that are heroic to you and mean that from a young age, but were your heroes. and meant a lot to you. Like the things that your brain would have come back and pull you into the nether void or into the the afterlife of good or bad. It would be the Ninja Turtles. It may be the Incredible Hulk will come get Alex Hawk and put him on his shoulders and carry him into. Uh, yeah, Mark yeah, Buffalo you know, is how he's how he's going to come and say, Come with me if you want to live. Hell yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Well, Ke- Kevin, you've been very gracious with your time. We really appreciate it. We're, we're, gigan- like we're gigantic fans. We, we really thank you for your time and what you've created. You know what I mean? Ninja Turtles, my God.
1: Thank
0: you, John. You know what I mean?
2: Well,
0: we, I appreciate we, usually one, we usually ask one question at the end real quick, if you don't mind, nope. you know, because we have a lot of artists and entertainers that watch the show. Uh, we usually like to see if anybody wants to give some like advice or words of wisdom for someone that might have found themselves in a funk or, you know, maybe things were going great, then they weren't going great. You know what I mean? Or just like something. I mean, you're 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 doing it. You did it. It's done. You know, i mean you know the legacy's there it's gigantic you know it's beautiful you know what i mean you get, yep. what would you say to anybody out there that's kind of maybe uh second guessing themselves or maybe going through a hard time with creative stuff
1: well it's it's a it's a great question and it's and it's and i and um i do uh answer that kind of question a lot and, and i have the same answer and it is it's kind of like um you know if you want to be a um, a, a, a professional athlete um, if you want to be a professional writer or, or you want to be you know comic book artist or you want to be a filmmaker um, you want to do those things it's there's a lot of pieces that make up your everyday life and it's school uh, work uh, relationships um, just so many things that you have to manage in a day but if you have the dream and you have the passion, the most important thing is be true to yourself. And it's like, and I always say, you know, if, if to produce, I said for me personally, if you, as a musician, if you need to practice, get a set aside, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, like schedule it and don't let anybody interrupt it. You need that time to create and keep honing your skill and practicing. Um, and the same for drawing or writing is like, you have to make that time to do that. And it's, uh, and it's tricky. And then, you know, as far as, you know, Rejection goes. Um, um, I was called a, a geek at a time when it was not a term of endearment like it is now. If I was, I was the guy that sat with two other guys who read comic books in junior high in the lunchroom, and everybody, you know, we, we were not popular. Let me say it that way. <laughs> uh, and so people were just like, "How can you be, you know, the age you are and still?" read comics um, and uh, and it was just so, so you, you have to get past those things because people will try to take that dream away from you um, constantly and steadily life will try to take that dream away from you the The rejection of uh, you know I, I you know I probably got hundreds you know of rejection letters over the years but it's just it's um, you know it's a growing and it's a you have to stay true stay dedicated work hard at it Uh um, and, uh, and I believe that dream will happen. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's, uh, it ain't easy. And a lot of people, you know, don't have, you know, a lot of people have not had it as, uh, lucky as I've had it. So I definitely, um, feel very blessed. Um, the path that I was given and the path that I was shown and the, the fact that I, was drawing this morning um, and when I'm done talking with you guys I'm going to finish some drawings that I need to finish tonight and that's the greatest gift you know I, I get to do um, what I dreamed about doing as a kid but no don't give up keep the fight stay true to yourself and make that time because it's uh, you know we're, we're we're not here for a long time on this planet so make the most of it and uh, work hard at it um, don't give up
0: true that true that well thank you again we'd love to have you on again alright guys Any enjoy your night We'll thank you. you
1: Have a good one. Great chatting with you guys. Yeah. Thank Have a good weekend. You too. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. That was fun, guys.
0: Thanks. All right, folks. My goodness, that was a great time. We really thank Kevin for his time, uh, spending it with us this evening to kind of talk about some things, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kevin Eastman-related things. You know, that was a lot of fun. Um, there's a, there's a seven-year-old Matty Fisher smiling away somewhere, a big smile on his face. Um, you know, it reminds me, we are talking about action figures earlier at the show. I just wanted to say the Foot Clan, too. Um, the Foot Clan action figure was always super cool. It had a good look to it. And, uh, if you ask the seven or eight-year-old Matty Fisher what he wanted to be when he grew grow up, you know, he'd be filling out those applications to be a Foot Clan member for sure. And uh, not to smoke cigarettes, because I don't get down. Hey, 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 hey,
2: hey. hey yeah. you, know, you know who is the best Foot Clan member, right? Yeah, I know. He, he, the guy who sells cigarettes, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. I, I do have to say it's funny because, I mean, I became a fan of Sam Rockwell you know, when he, he was older and, and, and you know, through Galaxy Quest and, you know, Charlie's Angels. And those were really that uh, when I really connected with him. And I love all the stuff he does now. But I remember looking through his IMDb, you know, just checking out, see what's coming up, what he's involved in. And I saw that he was in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I was like, he was? And then, you know... I watched again, and it came to that scene, I was like, shit, that's a little Sammy Rockwell.
0: That's one of those little fun movie facts people would always tell me. You know about, you like Ninja Turtles, so you know that, you know, Sam Rockwell's in there, right? I think yeah. Mike Calvin hit, hit me to that first. Shout out Mike Calvin. I know he's a big Ninja Turtle fan. So yeah. Mike Calvin, you're listening out there. This one's for you, Bubba. This one's for you.
2: Uh, yeah, I and mean, it's and uh, and as we said, uh, talking to uh, Kevin Eastman, uh, that uh, he helped create a a a a, a legacy, uh, a, sure. a, a bunch of great characters, great stories that will probably last forever and keep on being reinvented, rebringing in for different generations, and uh, it's just.
0: So much fun! I think he—I think at Rhode Island Comic Con, I think is where uh, I met him. All the times, maybe, maybe he was at Super Mega Fest once or twice. I want to—I met it. I've shook his hand. Uh, he was at Super Mega Fest at least once. I, I remember that. Yeah, I know. I've met him two or three times because I got every time I do, I get something signed. Yeah, from a big, I'm a big guy like that, a big fan. But
2: yeah, and uh, I mean, as you see, he's 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 a great guy. He enjoyed and 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 and, and loved, you know, what uh, he and his partner created, and it has an uh, everlasting legacy, which has, you know, uh, fo- found its way in the hearts of many young young men and women who uh, love him
0: today. Forever, dude. Forever. 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 That's the craziest thing about the Ninja Turtles is, like, that will never... And we don't want it to go away, but Ninja Turtles will never... There will never be a time the Ninja Turtles aren't cool. When everybody that was on this sh- episode tonight, myself and Hawk included, are taking the long dirt naps, there'll be people loving the Ninja Turtles in the new form. There'll be the new Ninja Turtles that people are loving, because it's just there's, there's very, there's nothing that's so great. Like it's over the, he'll always be there. You know what I mean? it will always be there. It's the four of them, four different personalities. You have the action. You know what I mean? You have morals in it. You know what I mean? It'll always kind of, it'll always be there, which is good. And I stand by my statement. <clears throat> as long as there's a humanity, there'll be a teenage mutant Ninja Turtles. And, uh, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up this episode?
2: No, not really. Just uh, that um, it was a lot of fun talking to him. And it's always great when you, um, you know, when when something that, uh, in his case, that he helped create. Yeah. You know, has such a, a lasting effect. Right. And, I mean, as creators, that's what we want to do. I mean we want to leave an impact whether it makes you think about something or just, you know, a little smile uh, when you think about the art that we help create. And, yeah. uh, and he, uh, he was able to create something that, you know, as we said, that uh, people will be talking about years from now. I mean, years after Matt and I, and, and even Kevin have passed away. I, Sure, there's going to be another Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, cartoon, a
0: movie, uh maybe even comic book. That'd be the only right thing as popular as Ninja Turtles is DJ Stan the Man, and that's a good thing. And I can tell you one thing: DJ Stan the Man is sleeping in Kevin's house tonight, and that's a fantastic thing. <laughs> so, with that being said, I know I like where you're going with that, Hawk. You're a good man. Don't let anybody ever tell you different. Much love for you. You're great. You're one of the greatest there ever was. Love you, and too. Uh, I love you, man. If you, if you guys loved this episode, go listen to more episodes of the to Cast. If you love, love supporting, we love when you support. We got the Patreon page. We got three different tiers, and there's a couple more tiers coming for interesting uh, new endeavors. We're going to try uh, some new perk-type cool. Cause we're always trying to bring some cool stuff to it. These podcasts will always be there for the free zone for you. But for anybody who wants to get more interactive with watching the full uncut videos or getting early access, advanced stuff, uh, Patreon could be the home for you. So check into it at Boombastic Streaming, two O's, Boombastic Streaming on Patreon, and see if that shoe fits you. And uh, with that being said, this show is a proud member of, Uh, of the boombastic meteor network, you know, a lot of great shows rolling out. I think we had two or three new shows pop out through the network already this year. It is the beginning of March and, uh, a lot of good stuff coming. So definitely tune into that because I think there's some, uh, there's a little bit of something for everybody, which is what we kind of strive for in the boombastic world. But with that being said, have a good night. We'll catch y'all later on the next episode of the Boom Bursting Chaos. Peace. Heroes and a half Shall Turtle power.